Ethan Nation, what is up? I am back here for another episode of the pod, and today we got a legend in the house, another legend, I should say. Oh, is there someone else here? (laughs) (laughs) Look no further than right here, you guys. This is Zach Oates, the founder, the CEO of Ovation. Um, Super stoked to have this guy on. He's a hustler. He's a winner. Um, Look up to you a lot. Looked up to all the stuff you've done a lot, for sure, bro. Dude, likewise, man. You're here. Welcome to the pod. Thank you. I appreciate being here. I think it was a while ago. It was like three years ago. You came on my podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called? It's called Give an Ovation. I love you know, it. we're like 250 episodes in. I think you were episode like in the teens. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for coming on and getting that kicked off because it was like when I tell other people, like, oh, it was hey. during COVID actually. Yeah, yeah. That's when we started it. Yeah. And I was like, hey, come on the podcast. We've had like incredible people, like Ethan Cisneros from Thirst, yeah, obviously. Right. You know, <laughs> no, seriously, it was like a way to draw people in. And we've gotten some like big players on there, had some really important conversations and yeah. it's uh it's so much fun. And I think that's one of the things that that I learned doing the podcast is you just start it, right? Yeah. You just do it. Like so many people they They spend, wait for the equipment and all that, right? Yeah. I mean I was just telling you before, I literally still have my blue Yeti mic. I paid ninety nine bucks for yeah. it. I didn't I don't even have a pop filter or like a <laughs> microphone sleeve like this all fancy. Yeah. And because Sure. Now you could like upgrade to all this stuff, but I think at the end of the day, so much of startups is just like is just, just that. Fit, it's yeah. just just start it, making right? it work with what you've got, basically. Right? Yeah, because yeah. people are like, oh, okay, well, I gotta like get the right background and get the right whatever and do this and soundproof the studio. Be yeah. like, look, no one is gonna care no. if there's like a little fan going on in the background, yeah. right? The funny part is too a lot. Of th- I've said before, there's not that many people that are genuinely consistently trying something like content marketing like we're talking about like a podcast or say posting on your instagram every single day or posting a youtube video every single day for let's just say years right if you do that for years consistently there's pretty much no one that's doing that that's not seeing any traction dude isn't that crazy right it's like if you do it you're pretty much positive it's gonna work. So it's yeah. just a matter of if you will do it. Or well, not. and here's the thing: is like people get so concerned about like what, what's the goal of it, right? And for me, the goal of of my podcast is it's really at the heart of it. It's like I was having so many great conversations, especially in the early pandemic, around what are people doing, what are you thinking about, what are you seeing from restaurants all over the country because I was connected with thousands of restaurants. Yeah, and I was like, man. I'm getting all this great information, yeah. insight. Let me start a podcast and then record these conversations yeah. and put it out there. And it's this whole thing of like, can we build value for the industry in some way, even if it doesn't result in a, a giant customer? Yeah. Like, can it result in us putting out good vibes? Yeah. And like, the more you just put out those good vibes, like, dude, the, the more good things happen. Your social media is every single video you do perfect. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, but you do it perfectly because you do it. We do it, yeah. Right? And that's the thing is like it, it builds and every single time if you get one more follower and you get one more person and you get one more impression, those add up over time. Yep. And I love, a, have you read The Hard Things About Hard Things, Ben mm-hmm. Horowitz? Incredible. I'm a reader. <laughs> what, so am I. I'm a good listener though. So like <laughs> that helps. And like yeah. I, I uh, the only time I ever work out is when I'm jogging, listening to audiobooks, yeah. right? And so in that book, he talks about how there are no silver bullets. There's just a lot of lead bullets. Yeah. Right. And there's no, there's no no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. There's no tricks. There's no, 
now there, there's great ways to do it um so so can i share one thing about Absolutely. the so one thing that we did in the early days is uh when i was like okay who do i interview on the podcast mm-hmm. and what i did is i thought about um i came up with this acronym of pipcat which is partners advisors uh pi no partners investors uh prospects customers advisors thought leaders right so i took the pipcats and i said okay these are the people i want to have on on the show and what i would do is i would look at uh different conferences and trade shows because as you know i do a lot of trade shows yeah and I'll, i'll go to like last year i did 27 shows and i would go and see who was speaking at those trade shows and then i would go and invite them onto my podcast yeah because those are people who are willing to talk about what they're doing and they're getting yeah. in and they're doing cool stuff. And is the response gener- generally like, absolutely? Yeah, because I mean, my podcast, it's, it's like this. It's like very conversational. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, my, my podcast, though, is like, it's 15 minutes. It's over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, hey, it's really short, really pithy, but let's connect. Yeah. And it's a great way just to like make friends and make connections. And it's networking today. And, but when you get those pip cats on your podcast, then, then, awesome. then you're able to like really, uh, you can learn, you can connect. And I recommend that to every person doing a startup is do a podcast. And yeah. if you get 10 listens per episode, shoot, man, if it's no one else but the person that was on and their mom and those yeah. are the only two people, like those are the two most important people those to listen matter, to that podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so now there's people like you where you're doing a podcast and you're getting huge reach. And there's people like me where I'm not going as much for reach, but I'm going to for that connection, it's that like, relationship. Almost like depth over width, right? Exactly. Like who's listening versus how many? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that a lot too. So, so I think you're totally right though with that content, with putting that out there. Is like, I, I just, I, you know, I focus so much on doing things as opposed to waiting until it's perfect. That yeah. a lot of times. I've got I've got raw dough, man. Yeah. And like when it comes out of the oven, that puppy ain't cooked, but that's okay, yeah. right? Because at least I'm baking. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. Dude, I agree. I agree. And that's the same for me in every like just portion of entrepreneurship is just trying things a yes. lot. Just trying things. Like there's been I have had my very much fair share of failures along the way <laughs> of like and whether that's like a new product that we're rolling out at the store or a, a store location, like not working. That's happened before too. Or like new concepts. Like we tried a ghost kitchen that absolutely failed and we had to close down. Like, but we tried it, you know what I mean? And so many things were taken away from it. Operational experience, um, you know, customer engagement, like just all of this data points that I'm building and building and building on. It's almost thing. One thing I was talking about last podcast is like, when something doesn't go right in the business, I'm almost a little, and mo- it sucks. Obviously, it sucks. Sometimes you have these failures and things, but it's almost a little bit exciting because you're like, okay, got it. I, now I know yeah. that portion, and I just added that to my knowledge base. So next time I do it, boom, I'm going to be so much smoother. And there's so me. many lessons that you learn along. I mean, like, right, it's the it's the not win-lose, but win-learn mentality. Yeah. And it's okay when things don't go fully right. What you don't want to do, though, is like dive headfirst into an empty pool. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's there's smart ways to try things, and yeah. there's dumb ways to try things. Yeah, as long as you don't go out of business. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And and I, but I love that though, and that's something that you you've been so inspiring to me and to so many other entrepreneurs out there because you're someone who puts yourself out there so much and you try so many things, 
and you you do it so consistently that it's like the the old adage of the professor who had two art classes and they were doing self portraits mm-hmm. and the one class he said the only grade you'll get is on your final portrait and the other class he said the only grade you'll get is by doing uh one self portrait a week so it doesn't matter how good it is you just got to do one a week mm-hmm. and if you do one a week you get an a in the very la- in the, the other class if your portrait's really good you'll get an a who do you think who do you think had the best self-portrait by the end of the semester? The one doing it every week. The one doing it every week, man, right? Because you just you just learn the touch. You learn how to do it. Yeah. And that's like the thing that, um, sure, not everything's going to be perfect. You don't have everything ironed out. But, like, don't do something that's going to put you out of business. Yeah. But, but do... But like, everything else. <laughs> yeah, push the limits, right? Yeah. Like, try things that, that might not make sense at, at the time. But, like, for example... Like, dude, these beignets, these are freaking fire, man. Like, they are so <laughs> like good. And they're, they're pillowy, they're delicious. They're, and if you weren't someone who was trying something out, you'd be like, oh, no, I got to stick to sodas. Yeah. Right? Like, that can't. We got to do what everyone else is doing because it's working. Yeah, because it's working. Like, yeah. why, why rock the boat? Well, because there's more out there. There's, like, there's something else. And if you're always going to be trying to catch up to somebody else as opposed to just, what can I do to build value? Yeah. So, like, what do you, what's your thought process of that? When, when, like, you know, you're not the only game in town, how do you focus on competition versus, you know, leading the pack? Yeah. Well, I start with all love for competition because I got to have respect and credit where credit's due. Like, the big dogs in the industry are the big dogs in the industry, you know, yeah. and they paved a lot of the way. And so what I hate the most is, like, talking crap on them. It's like mm. my least favorite thing. Like I actually like genuinely love them and I in a competition way, I want to beat them so bad. Like I like <laughs> there's nothing I want more like when I tell you I want to beat them, like the adrenaline in my body like even when I say that sentence right in the second is like I'll do anything. Like anything <laughs> like it's almost like I don't know if you played high school sports, but to yeah. me the same like kickoff feeling of like I want to win this so bad. Yeah, there's nothing more. Yeah. So like that's actually my favorite part about business is competition. We were just, I was talking to Kenny just a second ago that like one of the, I, I don't know if he's the CEO right now, Chase Wardrop. We've messaged a few times on, on Instagram and just like total friendly together. But like we were talking about the competition and how it like drives each other. And so like, I don't know. I love it. I love, I love the competition. I love, I love how it, it makes you better. It literally but, makes you better. Right? But how do you how do you not focus on that? Like, how do you not get distracted and sidetracked by the fact that there is competition out there? And like, oh, they just launched this. Like, we got to launch that. Yeah. As opposed to like paving your own path. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot about like what are you li- doing that's literally different than the competitor. Like, I, I think about that a lot. Is like, what are we doing that's different? I think it's important in the market to have something signature different in your game. So when we first started, we were pretty much a less good version of Swig. <laughs> I say that a lot. <laughs> what we were, on, as far as our products go, the only, what right off the bat, this was working, it hadn't, this was seven years ago. It hadn't come to Salt Lake yet, right? It was Provo, St. George mostly. And we started and we were like, okay, we're gonna be really known for our customer service. That's gonna be our thing. That's gonna mm. make us different. And we did, that's exactly what we did. And that's how we grew the business for like maybe two years, just solely on that being our different thing. And then since then, 
we've added these things into our menu lineup that legitimately make us different, legitimately give us like tangible things that are like, I know Thirst speaks of that, and that's their signature thing. That's what they're known for. So for us, that's pretzels, beignets, weekend features, you know, ambitious, aggressive marketing, tons of content. Um, so I think when I think about like, how do I think about them first with respect and love, like I was saying, but two is how can we do something that's tangibly different to set ourselves apart in the market and, you know, to ultimately take the W and, and, you know, and, and be the best that we can be. So I think about like tangible, different things like, okay, what, what, what is it about you? What's about your service? What is it about your product? That's genuinely different. And I, I love that because at the end of the day, when you look at what really drives true loyalty, right? There, there is an ingredient that thirst has that no syrup can ever put into a drink. <laughs> and that's Ethan, right? Because, because you care and because you drive that culture and you've created that culture here. And when, when I think about, you know, the thousands of restaurants that we work with, there's three layers of loyalty that, that I've defined. I call it the three cons on the bottom. You have convenience, right? Which is my expectation of the experience needs to exceed the effort to have that experience. Mm. Meaning that, you know, if I'm driving by and the line is around the block and I heard that it's okay, I'm not going to go. Yeah. If I heard that it's amazing, I'll wait in line for two hours. I'll, I'll fly to California to try a place out. Mm. Right. But like, why do I go to McDonald's? Because my expectations are so low <laughs> and the effort is so low, yeah. right? I get a dollar drink. I get a, you know, I get a hamburger and my kids play in the playpen and then we go home and sanitize ourselves <laughs> and go to bed. Right. But that bottom layer is convenience, but then, and that's, you know, the food service and impression, but then you take it up one rung and you get to consistency. And this is what we were talking about before around the operational aspect mm -hmm. of things where if I go in and I have a great experience one time and a terrible experience the other, like if I go in and my expectations of seeing, you know, this, this pretzel at another place is like really high. And then I go and I take a bite of it and it's like a gross microwaved dried out weird pretzel. Like that, that consistency hurts the brand because it's, it loses trust. Yeah. But then the highest level, and this is where I feel like you crush it and where, it's so hard to replicate is it's not, it's not convenience. It's not consistency. It's really about connection. Mm. And when, why do I connect with Mac with like Apple products? Because they design it differently. It makes it feel like they understand me, what they stand for, how the, the products look and feel. It just is so much of a smoother experience. And like that connects with, with me, mm -hmm. right? And their whole think different. It connects with the consumer, you and the thirst brand and the thirsty moms and, you know, the, the positivity and the, the putting out those the happy vibes that's connecting with an audience and you get on social media that's connecting and that's what will, will make the difference. Yeah. It's everyone's greatest piece of content. I say is in a world like this is kind of my social media take or like overall strategy is in a world of Instagram where literally every single person in the world is on it and every single business in the world at this point is basically on it. Everyone's goal is to try to make the best type of, as a business, let's say from a business perspective, m me, what I'm doing with thirst, 
everyone's goal is to try to make the best photo or video that's somehow going to convince everyone in the market to somehow want to buy my stuff. Well, that's just about the hardest game to play of all time because everyone in the world is trying to do that same thing. Yeah. But the one piece of content that literally no one else has that you have is a video where you flip it selfie and you're like, yo, what up, Thirsty Nation? It's Ethan. I'm actually the founder of this business. Like, here's some things that we're working on as a business. Here's what we're all about. Here's the ups and downs of my journey of this business. No one can replicate that. No. It's the most original piece of content of all time. And I think that's where a lot of people miss on social media is, oh, let, like, I'm going to make all my stuff perfect and a videographer and a photographer to like try to be the best you unless you are the best in the world you're not going to win that game and so yeah i think well, authenticity I think, is the game well i think about starboard chicken right great brand out uh aaron novishan started it good friend you know honestly mentor of mine and one of their tiktok videos that went crazy viral was literally just like them dunking chicken into yeah. sauce and it was just like a series of them dunking the chicken in sauce and like that was it yeah. right it was it was one that they just kind of like did on a whim and they're like oh let's like do this and yeah. that went viral right yeah. because to your point it's about just uh it's about just doing it yeah. and uh, there's so many times that people people wait and they wait you know i i was uh, business partners with this guy for a very short period of time because his philosophy was like he wanted to aim, 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 fire. No, 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 aim, 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 aim. And I'm just like, let's just like fire and then see what hit yeah. and figure out what what did we shoot that hit that and let's do that again. Yeah. You, a lot of people say you only need to win once, right? Yeah. <laughs> only one of the ideas has to work. Exactly. Yeah. And just make sure none of them you know but you thank you yeah, yeah. <laughs> i want to talk about your kind of entrepreneurial journey and a little bit about ovation um how long have you guys when did you start so i bought ovationup.com in november of 2016 really so like seven six and a half seven years yeah and then we we really started in uh, March of 2018 is when I went full time, yeah. and then August of 2020 is when we hit like hard reset, uh -huh. and everything changed. Everything changed, right? But that was so we kind of have like three start dates. Yeah, how is that like consistency? Like consistency and like just patience. How have those played into this? Because like I feel like one of the, you know, I like to think a lot of people that listen to this podcast are either entrepreneurs themselves or aspiring ones. You've been in business for a while now. Yeah. How has that played into the success of you creating a successful business? Is like lasting more than a year, lasting more than two years. Like, I feel like a lot of the times, you know, the biggest problem is, you know, they can't stick it out through the through the early years or through the yeah. hard years. Like, you and I are both in basically year seven, and it feels like a long journey, right? But right. Like, like, do you even remember I know what life I know was I'm like just, before? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Before this, I was running a shaved ice shack. So it's pretty much the same for me. <laughs> but like, I I feel like I'm literally just getting started and just fully creating, starting to create what Thirst is going to be. But it's going to just take so much time. And I feel like a lot of the questions that I'll answer to like people that are wanting to become entrepreneurs is like, the answer is usually just like, just every day, just continuing to grind, continuing to try stuff like we've talked about just continuing to be patient i mean curious how that's played out for you and what kind of your thoughts on that so i i've had the privilege of meeting thousands of entrepreneurs because yeah. I'm, I'm like 
I am just like an obsessive networker, not because like I want to check the box of networking, but because I love meeting people and learning from yeah, people. You're and intense, like, very genuine. Like, and, and I love, uh, like I'm, I'm a true extrovert. Like I go to these trade shows, I talk to hundreds of people and I get back to my hotel room and it is like a car battery attached to my nipples all day. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best. Like, I love meeting people. And it takes me so long to go to sleep at the end of the night because I'm just, like, wired. And, yeah, my feet hurt, but, like, I love meeting people. Yeah. So all of that to say is I've been able to meet a lot of entrepreneurs and, like, hear their story, those who have made it and those who haven't. And there's there's a, a formula that I've realized has fit, you know, just from pattern recognition, Every single story. Okay. The people who made it, they had it. The people who didn't, they were missing this. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yeah. You stay alive and excited long enough to get lucky. Hmm. And that's it. Yeah. Right? You just got, first of all, you got to stay alive. Like, make sure you don't run out of money. Yeah. Right? Because that's, then you die. Yeah. And, and when you die, you can't, you can't do anything. Two is stay excited to your point and like what we've been talking about this whole podcast is like try new things get excited about it go learn what other people are doing go have respect and from your competitors and like you battle know, them battle them right yeah. like don't try to you don't have to like rip them off but like learn from them yeah. and then do what the best version of you would do right constantly stay excited and then get lucky at the end of the day i think there's a certain dose of humility of no matter what we do it takes some lucky breaks. Yeah. You know, I think about my dad who has been, who has been just to the heights of success in life. I mean, he's, he's won three Super Bowls. He's been to the Pro Bowl five times, okay. you know, just like an incredible guy, right? Very successful business, uh, business, NFL career. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was at, I was at an event with him, a hall of fame event. Uh, excuse me. A, well, yeah, it was, it was at the Super Bowl, but it was with a bunch of hall of famers. Now my dad is not in the hall of fame, but, we were there and it was this, uh, you know, my wife was going around and getting the signatures of all these Hall of Famers. And so she goes to my dad and she's like, okay, well, like, can you sign this too? And he's like, oh, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to sign that. Like, those are like the real guys. Mm-hmm. Like, I, uh, you know, I don't have a jacket. Like, that's not me. <laughs> and it just struck me in terms of like the, the sense of humility, realizing like it does take getting lucky and realizing that however high you go, like there's, there's total other levels. Every hill that you crest gives you perfect view to the next mountain ahead of you. Yeah. And I think that it's about realizing how much there is ahead of you and how many people helped you get to where you're at. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I wouldn't be here without my team, without my business partner, without incredible advisors. And these people took a chance on me and I got lucky to have them in my life and to learn from them. And that's why that's why we got to where we're at. It's like a yeah. series of lucky breaks because, but it's not because I'm sitting in my room waiting for luck to come. It's because I'm excited out there meeting people, doing stuff, right? Yeah. It's almost like the first two parts of that equation are like putting you in the right circumstance to take advantage of yes. a lucky situation, right? To- yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, and I, I think of it as, as, like, as this journey on this mountain, right? And so imagine you're on this path and then at some point along the path, someone like just, has a helicopter comes and picks you up and puts you up way high and now the person at the bottom of the path could be like well you didn't get there by yourself you had the helicopter he's yeah. like well yeah buddy but i was on the path i was halfway up the mountain <laughs> right yeah. 
and and that's that's i think a really important thing to remember and like keeping that humility and to me what that looks like is one that that curiosity of learning from other people and two the gratitude of of uh what got you there and then giving back and like making sure that you could help people who might be a couple steps behind you. Yeah. And then lastly, to answer your question on like what keeps you going, there's another book I'd really recommend. Well, actually unreasonable hospitality. Have you read that one? Mm -mm. That one phenomenal book about, I I think it would, it would resonate so well with you around how do you, how do you really care about your guests? But then the second one is uh, Victor Frankl's man's search for meaning. And outside of scripture, that book has changed my life more than any other book. And in there, he says, the man who has a why to live can bear with almost any how. Now, keep in mind, this is a psychologist who, Jewish, who was in Auschwitz, Hmm. right? So he's a Holocaust survivor, but he, he had a really interesting perspective because even though he was living in it, he was taking his you know, his psychologist, you know, doctorate and kind of almost like taking a step back and while living in it, he was observing it. And that's one of the things he was saying is that you got to have your why. And if your why is to make money, then sure. Once you make it, you'll find out that, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. But if your why is to build value and to make this world better and to put the positivity out there, then like, the dips and, and troughs that come with startups aren't going to be, aren't going to trip you up. Yeah. They're going to motivate you yeah. because that's just, you can see the stock price going up and to the right eventually, even if you're in a dip, right? Yep. yep. What's been one of the hardest things as you've grown ovation? What's been one of like the biggest trials, I guess, that you've overcome, would you say? So one that was recent, you know, obviously there's always like founder issues and, that was that was tough and we're you know grateful to kind of be beyond all of that right now and we have the right team in place and we're all gelling together but i mean obviously the, a lot of times in the early days you have that that friction of founders but once you kind of get past that um recently we had an investor who was going to give us we were out raising two million or four million dollars and there was an investor that was going to put in two mm-hmm. right so two million dollars so everyone signs, everything's done, and everyone wires the money except for this group. And I'm like, all right, hey, hey, guys, like, uh, what's the deal? What's the deal? Yeah. They're like, okay, it, it, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. When's the last day that we can give you the money by? I'm like, well, don't, I mean, like, let's not even, what, what does that matter? Let's just, just wire me the money today, right? Okay, but uh, what, what's the last day? And so I was like, okay, it's like October 28th. Okay, all right, just good to know. But m- money's coming. August, September, October. And they're like, money's on the way, money's on the way. October 1st, okay, by the, by the end of this week. Okay, wait, by the end of next week, give me one more week. Okay, the 28th, we'll get it to you by the 27th. 28th comes and goes. Okay, just give me, till, give me one more week. And they're playing this game with me all the way until the end of the year. And I've got, I mean, people were... You're th- trying to run the business. I'm trying to run the business. I was expecting that money to come in. I had, I had in, interacted... Oh, did I hit something? Okay, sorry. I had interacted with... Um, I already, like, hired people. like doubled the sales team. I hired VP. Like, we were, we were going. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to wait. You know, like, especially because I trusted these people that the money was coming. Well, end of the year comes. And I am like... 
back against a wall, not sleeping. I had barely any gray in my beard before all this. And then, uh, so he's like, okay, let me wire you the money. And of the 2 million, he wires me 250 K oh, no. and he goes, that's all I got. And I'm like, you led me on for six months. I trusted you. We put this, we, we put this whole business plan in action. Like yeah. you promised me this was coming and it didn't. And not only due to a whole series of circumstances, I was going to get a huge chunk of equity along with that investment because we were buying out some former founders. Well, that didn't happen. So now my family is out a huge chunk of money, yeah. like massive. We're talking like seven figures that my family isn't getting. The business is, you know, we are, we are just a few payrolls away yep. from being dead. Yep. And I'm like, what are we going to do? So I went out there, I turned on the fundraising engine and with the worst story you could imagine, which is the biggest investor backed out yeah. in the hardest environment of nine times that I've raised money that I've ever raised money in. We went out there and the team rallied together. They put up some great numbers and dude, I had 134 investor meetings and filled the round. But and when that, when, so July 4th, um, June, we got all the money in and we had our best month ever. We crushed all of our goals from revenue, from new MRR, from churn, like everything just crushed it in every single metric. And I sent out that investor update July 3rd. And it was like, for the first time since I started Ovation, mm -hmm. I felt at peace on July 4th of like, the money's in the bank. Yeah. The business is doing great. The team is cranking. We've got we've got plenty of runway. Like it just felt especially on the tail end of one year of just grind, just you like know. Weight lifted off your shoulders. It was I cannot even tell you how happy I was on July 4th just to like hang with my family yeah. with no looming axe. Is it just barely? Yeah, just barely. Oh dude, that's amazing. And so I just Anyway, I've I've been like floating yeah. for for weeks now. That's amazing, dude. <laughs> do you feel like so you had to overcome this? Is it like do you feel like you learned a ton from having to overcome that? Like, because for me, I'm I've been in, and am in similar situations all the time where it's like, okay, say like we don't have a lot of capital right now. Well, it makes you run the business more efficiently for sure, right? Like, what do we need? Are we run? is what we have running efficiently. Also, you probably are way better at raising money now after those 134 <laughs> meetings, right? Than before. But I mean, dude, that probably created a very strong skill set of entrepreneurial skills that you now have in your repertoire. Well, and just just looking at it, like here's a piece of advice, a piece of uh unsolicited uh unpaid for legal advice to anyone <laughs> listening. Perfect. Imagine that everything goes amazing. Because in the moment when you're writing to get writing these contracts, making these deals, you're like, oh, I, I mean, like, I hope it will go well, but like, I mean, like, it probably won't, but like, let's make this deal now in the moment. Stop. Imagine that everything goes perfectly. Imagine everything goes your way. What would what would you want it to say? Now, imagine everything goes to crap. What would you want that agreement to say? And a lot of times we get so optimistic, or we get so realistic that it's it's hard when you're making the deal in the moment to have that forethought yeah but 
but that's that's one of the lessons that I really took out of it is just like, you know, just just imagine because like start picture perfect. Yeah, yeah, start with, and and why not? Why can't it be incredibly, incredibly huge? Yeah, and are you going to be disappointed with this deal if things blow up and go amazing? And if so, all right, restructure the deal, make it a win-win. And yeah. or are you going to be pissed off if everything blows up, and the relationship goes sour? Like, yeah. have I, I tell people like you should you should know how much you care about someone that you go into business with by how big the contract is. Yeah. Right. Cause the more you care about them, the more you want to work on those fringes. And, but to your point about the skills, the other thing is like, I had to, I had to leave the company, right? Like I'm out of the company. I can't be doing 134 investor meetings and still and be operating, be operating the company. Yeah. And so that's where like my business partner, Derek and the leadership team that we have, like they, they, they stepped up and that was an incredible opportunity for me to see how capable everybody was yeah. and for me to like, you know, get a lot more trust in them. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I keep hitting this. I'm all excited to be here, man. <laughs> talk with my hands. And these it's amazing. So what's life. next for Ovation? What are you guys working on? What's so we, we just, just did this round. We so. just did the round. And then on the tail of that, we launched uh, phones. So we have Ovation call to text. That, yeah. And How does that work? So, you know, uh, for example, last night I call a restaurant. I'm doing a, a father-son hangout. So me and my four-year-old, I like to take them like once a month. I try to get like a little bit of one-on-one time with each of my kids. And so we went to, uh, went to this place and I, I called them and nobody answers, right? And like I had some questions, mm -hmm. but they didn't answer. And, you know, one of the, one of the customers that we were with uh, that we started building this, this phone system for, he was like, we did an audit of our phones and we found out that in the third of our stores, the staff had unplugged the phones, <laughs> right? So people were just calling and getting busy signals. Yeah. And so anyway, there's a huge problem with, with food and beverage phones. And you know, the bad news is 30% of calls are unanswered. Yeah. The worst news is 70% of calls are answered. And when they are answered, your staff isn't focusing on the people that are there or what needs to happen. They're taking this phone call. So mm -hmm. what Ovation Call to Text does is when you call, it, you're presented with like a, a link tree of like press one, press two, mm -hmm. press three, and then whatever you press, it'll send you a text message with a requested information. Oh, it links to text. So that way, if I call in and I'm asking for hours of operation, I'll get a text with the hours of operation. And that way I have that on my phone and I'm not thinking about, okay, let me jot that down. Wait, what did it say Thursday hours were? Like, it's just right there on my phone. If I want to place an order, place an I get order. a text yeah. with the order. If I want to, if I have feedback about my um, my order, I'll get a text with the Ovation link to give feedback. The thing, yeah. If I want to have a question about my order, I, it starts a conversation of, "Hey, Ethan, what what can we do to help you with your order?" And because of all of our inter integrations, we know exactly what Ethan ordered. We could refund anything. We could fix it, um, and then. If at the very end, if you want to transfer to someone, you can do that. But we have places that have just taken phones out of the store, and now they just have one person that responds through the Ovation app to every single call. Yeah. Because you could do that over text, and it and it takes just a few seconds to do it, especially with our AI engine, to respond to those guests. So that's that's been something that that's huge. We saw so many people who were using who were one having problems with phones. Two, people were calling in to give a lot of feedback through the phones. And then three, there was a lot of our customers who were using 
systems that weren't quite working and now they're they have one system to talk to guests through phones they have our system to talk to guests through like with feedback and we were like well hey we could we could do that phone thing so we built the beta we tested it out with one of our 30 location customers and then it worked really well so we built out the whole uh we didn't we did not build out any back-end system until we had realized that we can do it because mm -hmm. we did it like totally manually mm -hmm. And then once we realized we could do it, we built a product around it. And in f in like four months, we went from having no product to alpha testing it, uh, live testing it, building out the front end, back end, marketing, and full launch of it, which That's was huge. Has it been well cool. received? Incredible, man. It's, it's been, and, and this has the opportunity to not only double our ACV, but be such a revenue driver because those 30% of calls that aren't answered, what are people calling for? Yeah. They want to spend money, yeah. <laughs> right? And so it, it, it like kills me to hear all these unanswered calls, yeah. knowing how thin the restaurant margins are. And like yep. every dollar Le counts. Leaving something on the table like that, yeah. Well, curious, like you care a lot about, I feel like the value given to customers is very clear. Even just you talking right now and my experience with Ovation, like you guys care a ton about that. What is your like eventual plan with Ovation? Like are you wanting to exit one day or is this something that you like you just want to continue to build and yeah i mean i i'm lucky in the fact that there's a really strong found like a uh, product founder fit i love what what i'm doing yeah you're into this i i love it and it's yeah. not like it's not fake at all like i'm not like i don't have to wake up every day and be like okay let's put on my ovation face <laughs> all right right yeah. like i love like this will be over soon <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean i could I could work in this industry and I could, I could be solving this problem and working on this problem for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like I love it now that I, I think it's a little unrealistic when it comes to a technology of, you know, building the company for the rest of your life. Very few companies get to that. And not having it be acquired. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure one day, you know, one day it'll be acquired, but yeah. like my focus is not on perfecting my business to be acquired. It's on perfecting my business to build value. Yeah. And that will in turn probably do the first yeah right? exactly yeah. right it's like how can i build the best company and build uh, create the most value yeah and then sure if someone comes along and it makes sense for our stakeholders my family the investors then yeah i'm like why not yeah yeah closing remarks i'm curious for you i like to ask this question at the end what's some advice you'd have for an entrepreneur um maybe maybe like in the tech space maybe in the restaurant space but like up your alley what is something that you know for sure that's like a staple in entrepreneurship that, that you would give advice to on? Don't do it. <laughs> Is it that hard? Yeah, don't, don't do it. It's too hard. It's too stressful. It, you, you, too much risk. There's such a high rate of failure, uh, such a low risk of reward. You're working so much and you're getting so little. <laughs> you are stress puking and you're waking up in the middle of the night and you are on vacation worried about a customer and like don't do it I feel that. now now if, if you've you, already done it if <laughs> if you care if, if you hear all that and you're thinking i don't care i still want to do it mm -hmm. then you might have what it takes to be an entrepreneur and so in that case i will say just one thing and that's that's elevate your ordinary do gain whatever skills you can gain, learn whatever you can learn. So that way, if it does fail, it's not as scary yeah. because your worst case scenario turns out to be pretty good. Yeah. So I went out and I did summer sales. 
so I can elevate my ordinary. And at the very least, I knew that I can I could do sales. And yeah. then I went and I got my MBA. Yeah. And and then I went and I got a consulting job, right? So like I know what my worst case scenario is. And so I'm not afraid to try new things because yeah. if something happens and if I fail, like my family is provided for and I, that, that's bring, that brings a lot of peace. And however hard it is, that does make it not easier, but it makes it mentally you can you can understand it more so don't do it but if you do elevate your ordinary yeah it reminds me of like building the skills of entrepreneurship i i've say this a lot and it's the truth is i've never like i haven't cashed out from thirst by any means every penny of what thirst has earned in profit has gone right back into building thirst like every penny and uh along the way like I've developed and honed in all of these skills of entrepreneurship. And so if today it ended and I've invested everything I've got into it at this point and I didn't end with some type of cash out or I never got to the point where I was drawing out a massive amount of money or anything, I would still be stoked probably Yeah. because I'd be like, all right, I know exactly how to do this. So that's I'm about to go do this again <laughs> and I'll probably have way less startup debt and I'll probably like like a million things. Like it's like the skills of entrepreneurship, like they take reps, just like we were talking about in the beginning, they take reps to build. Yeah. It takes a long time to build. And I mean, those are the, mo- the to your point, elevating yourself. Like those are the most important things that we're building and honing in for sure amen man amen bro well thank you thanks for being on the pod dude thanks for having me and thanks for being such a great inspiration out there and for showing people how they get to where you're at and for being so aspirational to to go so much farther it's awesome to see you grow man dude well likewise i appreciate you being on